Amen. So last Lord's Day morning, we were examining the four exhortations that we see written before us in chapter uh, 4 of 2 Timothy, and specifically verse 5. Those four exhortations that we see, they make up verse 5, but watch thou in all things, is the first exhortation. And secondly, endure afflictions. Thirdly, do the work of an evangelist. And fourthly, make full proof of thy ministry. And we examined with the Lord's help the first two of those, and the message was entitled, You Must Persevere. Uh, and we saw then, firstly, as we were examining those, those first two points, and the title of that first point, You Must Persevere in Being Watchful. Because it says, But watch thou in all things. We are to be watchful, primarily over our own lives. We are to be sober, we are to be self-contained, we are to be, have self-control in our emotions, in our words, in our behavior, in our actions, so that we will live according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, that we would live as pleased as God. And that would be with the end result that we would be enabled, that we would be ripened spiritually, that we would be mature enough to endure afflictions and to remain standing under those afflictions, that we would not fail these tests of our faith. So you must persevere in being watchful, is our understanding, but watch thou in all things. And secondly then, the second exhortation that we have before us is endure afflictions. And so you must persevere by withstanding. You must persevere uh, by withstanding because it is the lot of the godly Christian Christian to suffer persecution, as we've just read in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It is true. That is the, the state of play. How that persecution, how those afflictions enter into our life is many and varied. But all that would be spiritual Christians. Notice how Paul here uses that word, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Many people would happily live in Christ Jesus. They want salvation for their soul. Uh, they want to go to church. They want to hear what Jesus has done for them. But to live godly in Christ Jesus is a, a couple of steps higher. Is wanting to live according to Christ, to mortify their own flesh, to, to, to know what it is to persevere in being watchful over their own flesh as opposed to looking at other people. Those that will live godly in Christ Jesus, they shall. Why? Because they're hindering the work of the devil in their own lives. They are rebuking their own flesh. And they would be in their own way and in various ways, warning the world of, uh, warning the world of, of its wickedness. And so persecution and inflictions, should we say vengeance, or revenge from the devil and those under his power, which includes the flesh, your own flesh, will come upon the path. It will come upon those that would work against the wickedness by the devil in the world and in their own flesh. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. And we noticed a number of things when we consider these, these afflictions, uh, endure afflictions, that we are to expect them because God has just said so in his word. We've just quickly examined that verse. And that we are to accept them because they ultimately come from God. Again, we're not going to open up these things that we've already opened up last week. 
We're not to flee afflictions. And in a fleeing means that we're not to deny them either. We're not to pretend that they're not happening. Uh, there's a great scourge in, in Christendom, and you see it very often in, in certain charismatic churches, is, is always to have a cheesy smile upon the face all the time. Everything's good. You know, come to Jesus, your life will be happy. The, the, the Bible does not promise that. It promises deep joy to the soul. Yes, but that's not always expressed in happiness. The Lord can lay heavy crosses upon our backs that are difficult to bear. But that's why the Lord says, endure afflictions. Endure them. So we're not to flee them, but we are to endure them. We are to carry them. Uh, and we are to rejoice in afflictions. We're to rejoice in them, not to enjoy them. That would be strangely masochistic, but we're to, we, we are to rejoice in the fact that God has a, has a better plan for these afflictions than that we, we are feeling at the moment. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them who are the called according to His purpose. All things everything, including these afflictions, even the afflictions that are in your life now, those afflictions that you've known of in the past, those afflictions that are yet to come, we are to rejoice because God is going to turn them around. The Lord is going to take these difficulties and these pains and these broken relationships and whatever they might be, these afflictions that you have, and do something wonderful with them in your life in your heart, in your soul, in your character. He's going to use these bad things for good. And sixthly, we saw we are to remain sweet under afflictions. We're to remain sweet under them. And then we, we read from Hebrews 12, 14 to 15, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and therefore many be defiled. It's easy to fall into, into bitterness, but we must be sweet. We, we must be salt. We must be light, even while we endure affliction. So may the Lord be pleased to help us as we continue with this message. We could call it, You Must Persevere, part two, as we're continuing on. But you must persevere by withstanding has another point uh, that I did not make last week. And I think it's an important one, is that we are to endure afflictions because we are to build endurance. This is to be a positive thing. It's not just that we are to be a passive uh, victim of, of, well, let me say that, re let me rephrase that, a passive recipient of providential, of dark providence. Not that we're just to be passive, but we are to actively take hold of these things and build assurance by God's endurance, sorry, by God's grace. That's the first application that James teaches um, when he talks about suffering afflictions. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, well-known verses, uh, and essentially pointing to the same doctrine. And he says, my brethren, count it all joy. That we have that joy again. Count it as joy, not experience it as joy. But count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, that is, trials. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. So we see there that as, as that, 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 that patience, that endurance, has a perfect work. It has a maturing work. And we've pointed to that already in the introduction to this second point, uh, that, that 
that being watchful, that be, be, being a mature Christian makes you enabled to suffer, uh, as with Job, as I'd mentioned last week, that Job himself was, is, is described as, uh, as, being, uh, as being perfect and upright and eschewing evil, uh, being a mature Christian and therefore enabled uh, to suffer greatly and to be transformed greatly. And that is a common theme, therefore, throughout the whole Scriptures. And he reminds us to rejoice, therefore. No, that's going back one or two, one or two points, sub-points. He reminds us to rejoice on the afflictions because that when our faith is tried, it brings forth a spiritual fruit, the spiritual fruit of, of patience. And, and that word patience there is patient endurance. Patient endurance is when we suffer, when we suffer afflictions, we endure under that suffering. We will have that patient endurance. We could term it another way. We could say it's spiritual stamina. And you know when, a, when, when somebody trains physically and they'll go out and they'll train, the boxer will go out, he'll be up at 5.30 in the morning, he'll be running the streets for three quarters of an hour uh, before he gets himself ready maybe to go to the gym afterwards uh, and before he even gets ready to, and then showers and gets ready for work. But there's an endurance to keep going because as he keeps going, as he increases his physical stamina and his mental stamina to keep working and to keep training, it improves and improves. In other words, he doesn't give up. Oh, but it's raining this morning and he still puts on the running boots and he still gets out and he still does his, his morning run. He's still determined to build up, we could say in that case, his cardiovascular stamina. Uh, but we're thinking of spiritual stamina, not giving up under afflictions because this is the truth that even the most saintliest and the most gracious of believers can be tempted to give up because afflictions can be very difficult now some of us know, may know something of afflictions and others less so maybe it's more academic for some a an age makes a difference the older you are the more experience you have of afflictions just because you've been in this world of sin and misery a lot longer than other people. And as it pleases the Lord to put them in your life, and maybe you just need it more. You just need these afflictions more because the Lord knows that this is the only way that He is going to change your character. It is the only way He's going to test you and to humble you. We can, we can use the word to break you. At least that is to break the power of the flesh in your life, to have these things come forth. And are they easy? No. I do not make light of these things. It's not my attempt in the slightest. The, the apostle certainly doesn't. These afflictions are there, as we've already touched upon in the preaching last week, is to force us to cast our cares upon the Lord because it is the habit of the flesh to be godless, to not seek God's help, to not look for God's help. We have that, that, that sinful self-reliance of the flesh, and it is there. I wake up in the morning and you may look at your phone and then something happens and you moved on and there's been no feeding of the soul with the Word of God and, and very little prayer. That is the sinful self-reliance of the flesh that needs to be mortified. And it is a struggle, it is a fight. I don't think the Apostle Paul did not know it because he did, as we know from Romans 7. And if we're then too independent and we're too self-reliant, which we are not to be, we can easily see no way out. My arm of my flesh is too short, it's too weak. I, I can't deal with this situ situation. I can't see a way forward in this situation. 
And it is therefore the case that the Lord sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, needs to bring us to the end of ourselves. That we would stop being so sinfully self-reliant. And then you would come to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't take it anymore. This is too much for me. To which the Lord uh, would say, you never needed to carry the burden yourself. Nobody asked you to. Nobody commanded you to. He did not command you to. But what he would say is, remember that I love you and I care for you. And where am I getting that from the scripture? Well, I mentioned it in the prayer, 1 Peter 5 and verse 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That is the, 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 the absolute opposite of, of being sinfully self-reliant, of, of casting it upon him. Lord, I cannot deal with it. The Lord knows. He will deal with it. And that's why the Lord follows that exhortation where he says here in verse 5, endure afflictions uh, by moving on to say, do the work of an evangelist. Now, we, sometimes we look at um, verses in Scripture and there's an there's a exhortation after an exhortation, and, and, and especially in Proverbs, there doesn't seem to be a link between the verses. And that is true. That there can just be standalone exhortations uh, that mean what they mean. But in other places, they are, they are linked, and I believe these four exhortations are very linked. So you must persevere in being watchful. You must persevere by withstanding. And then thirdly, you must persevere in working the gospel. You must persevere in working the gospel, because he says, do the work of an evangelist. So therefore, in the context is this. Whilst being very careful about containing yourself, about having that, that self-control, about uh, living and existing and walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh, and enduring afflictions, whilst you're still enduring afflictions, we could join those two together as well, that even under afflictions we're still to be very self-controlled. It's very much of the flesh to say, oh, this is too much, so now I'm going to burst, uh, I'm going to lose my temper. Because I'm under these afflictions, and this is too much for me, and this is my excuse. No, no. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. And whilst enduring afflictions, do the work of an evangelist. And how, and how, how do we do the work of an evangelist? Well, by telling others of the gospel. By telling them, and but also living the gospel. You tell others of the gospel, but you live out the gospel. Yes, you can tell people, and you should tell people, of the wonderful and joyful truth that God saved you, that He loves you and that He cares for you. And even though others may not care for you, but that He does, and that He loves you. But evangelizing itself, and I will say more on this, evangelizing itself can be a great antidote uh, to suffering under afflictions. Because suffering, yeah, as we mentioned, it can cause bitterness, it can cause us to, to feel to give up, uh, but it can, it can cause us to become disillusioned and too self-centered. Me and my problems, me and my afflictions. But evangelizing is a great antidote to that, to overly suffering under afflictions, making it worse as it were that we would then tell others of the good news and be reminded ourselves of the good news. 
We tell others that Jesus Christ saved my wicked soul. And, and Jesus Christ is the only way to save your wicked soul. And so being reminded of the goodness and the kindness and the mercy of God. And yeah, we could, we could apply that even more to realize this is all of grace. And even what the Lord is giving me now is all of grace. But what I would like to understand in, in, in the very tight context of, 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 of verse 5 is it is while suffering afflictions that we can share the gospel by testifying honestly of the difficulties that we're having in life with the afflictions that we have because we do not have to pretend to the world or even to ourselves that, that the Christian walk is a, is a bed of roses it's an easy life your best life now is a doctrine of the devil and it is not the truth of the scriptures but the good news of the gospel is this is not only does Christ remove our burden of sin but he carries all our burdens of life with him and very often in the most difficult times of affliction he carries our burdens for us that he is there carrying them he is there carrying them as we've already looked at in Deuteronomy 33, in the, in the call to prayer, that the everlasting arms are underneath. And it is because of Christ's care for you and me, because of his love, he's not just saving a people, but he's bought a people, and he's marrying a people, that he loves a people, uh, that in spite of the afflictions that he in his, his infinite wisdom is pleased to put upon us for greater purposes, that we can have much hope, that we can still have that hope. Lord, these things are difficult, and yet, Lord, thou art compassionate. Lord, these things are above me, but not above thee. Not above thee. For the Almighty God that reigns above all things and has determined all things, and when things come into our life, that we may have that hope and that expectation. And that's the greatest of testimonies towards others in life. And maybe even a greater witness than a conversion story to a friend or a colleague or a family member because those conversion stories can seem so far off in their unspiritual lives while being convicted of sin yeah yeah i feel guilty every now and again but you know a glass of whiskey sorts that out but just being spiritually so far away from understanding evangelization is the primary primarily as we understand in the new testament the task of the evangelist which is part of the gospel preacher's calling. And even the great commission that is given to the church is given primarily to the office bearers of that church, which was, in Matthew 28, was the apostles. But where the New Testament is unequivocal concerning uh, the, the sharing of the gospel, the sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ is seen in this very context of suffering and of of living a life that is so different from the world because of the grace of God and the spirit of Jesus Christ and the love of God that is exhibited in your life in spite of and during afflictions. 1 Peter 3 and verse 15, uh, he, Peter, he writes to us, he says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear so as you are clearly suffering physically 
emotionally, mentally, relationally, however that agony is in your life and you're uh, dealing with it, you are enabled by God's grace to endure them and to endure those afflictions so that your friend, so that your neighbor, so your colleague, your, 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 the nurse in the ward, your boss, you're asking for time off and you're going through this treatment. And they say, what, what is it? When my auntie was going through this, she was completely broken. It killed her, but your cancer's twice as bad, and, and yet you come in here, you're asking for time off, you're trying to sort out a plan with the, with the HR department, and, and yet there is there's something different about you. Something so different, because they see the grace that has been given you to endure afflictions. Others, as I said, are broken. They're sent to the depths of despair. But however you have a bright hope within you, you shine with the light of Jesus Christ. And then and truly then you are able to give an answer to them that ask you of it. Every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is within you. The hope. You have a hope. And I would suggest that maybe such an answer at that time as you are in great afflictions truly is the work of an evangelist and says more than a tract. You being a living tract. A living example of the grace of God in the midst of afflictions and suffering. And what is the reason for that hope, of course? Well, it is that we love him and we trust him in spite of the afflictions that he has put in our lives that we still love him. Yes, we could put a human face to them. We could put, a, we could put a, a disease to that name. We could put a circumstance. But the Lord has placed this cross upon your back. He has put these afflictions in your life. And we love him for it. Christ put them there as crosses and losses. That we would love him more. That we would know him more. And he has done them to help us, to humble us, to heal us. That we would have more of a hope in him. So we, that we might say, even in the suffering that the Lord has brought into my life and the afflictions, I love him. And you can say that to people, I still love him. How can you love him when he's allowed these things in, in your life? Because I love him before his tender mercies towards me will never run out. My mum and dad may pass on and I be left alone. Dearly beloved friends uh, can leave because of, a, because of a miscommunication and just go off or whatever it is or move to the other side of the world and lose contact. But he will never leave me. He will never forsake me. He is here with me in these afflictions and these difficulties. And he's not going anywhere. That's why I have hope in him. And that's why I love him. Because he loves me. And it's not just a, a love that remains in the heart of God, but it's a love that is a practical love. It's a physical love. It's a spiritual love. It's a love that even brings these afflictions into my life. What a work of the gospel that is to speak to others that in these afflictions that the light of Christ is found to be shining in you and through you. But also the days of difficulties, you'd be honest with. 
These are difficult and, and bad things, and yet, you know, I call upon the Lord, and he comforts my heart like nothing else on earth can. So you must persevere in being watchful, is the first of the exhortations. You must persevere by withstanding, by enduring these afflictions. You must persevere in working the gospel, and what a gospel um, light it is uh, for uh, the believer to shine under afflictions. And then finally, you must persevere in serving the gospel. You must persevere in serving the gospel. It says here, make full proof of thy ministry. And if you have a Bible with margins, then you'll see that that word that says to make full proof of is the same word that we could translate as to fulfill. So make full proof of your ministry is to fulfill your ministry. Now when we look at this word ministry, be careful not to take it too professionally and consider it only to be applicable to the gospel ministry. Not just for gospel ministers. Although in the context that would not be out of place, of course. Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Yes, we can see that. But the word that's translated here as ministry is the Greek word diakonia, where we get the word deacon from. And so the first application we could say was well, not to ministers, but to deacons. So the deacons are to make full proof of their work as a deacon, to be a faithful and hard-working servant of the session, and the congregation continue to improve in ability, be fruitful in the work of the diaconate, put in the time, put in the effort, make full proof of thy ministry. But the second and more general application would be to all the church, because that word diaconia um, doesn't just refer to the work of the deacons. By any means, it is a general word meaning service, the serving, the service of others, the helping of others. So you could render that verse or that part of the verse, make full proof of thy serving. Make full proof of the service that the Lord has put into your hands, the opportunities that arise before you to serve him, to serve his people, and, and, and you are to fulfill that ministry. What does that mean? To make full proof of it, uh, to improve in it, to make full proof of the gifting and the grace and the opportunity that God has granted you in, in whatever way it might be. And so that can be very general, but also very personal, for the Lord calls us to serve in very different ways, whether it be in the Sabbath school, whether it be in, in, in the cleaning of the building, whether it be uh, walking the streets with the, with, with the tracts, whether, uh, whether it be a deacon, whether it be an elder, whether it be an office bearer, whether it be playing uh, the musical instrument at the worship service, whatever it might be. And the Lord draws us into different ministries. How about those very personal ministries of encouragement? Just sidling upon si uh, next to somebody in the pew after the service. You've noticed something in their eyes and you just, you encourage them. You encourage them. You see things and, and you want to speak to them. They, they, these, these are ministries also. These are gifts. Or you hear from somebody that's, that they're having difficulties with something and you could, you could help in some way and so you do so. We have different gifts, we have different providential opportunities to make full proof of our service, of our serving, of our serving God and serving others. 
But the emphasis is with that we, we have that word for ministry, we have that word for serving, is the emphasis is not upon gifting, it's upon faithfulness in serving. Make full proof of being there, of being there to serve, of being there to encourage, of being there to help in any official or an unofficial way. And in spite of the afflictions, through the afflictions, and maybe because of the afflictions, we serve. We serve. We show the, the light of Jesus Christ even in our humble serving, whatever it might be. Whatever, whatever it might be. Serve the gospel and serve the people of the gospel and give God all the glory. And so then as we bring this message, or this two-part message to a close, we have seen, and maybe I hope I've emphasized that, these, these four exhortations are not some grand, random grouping of matters together, but how they are perfectly and carefully joined together by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. All, scriptures, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and, and we see that here in the fifth verse of chapter 4. We've seen these four exhortations to be in service to Christ, but maybe where we may not see, but it's, I think it's very clear, where is Christ? But it is Christ himself that through his word, he calls us to watch and he calls us to be like him, to be like him, to put down the flesh and to exalt Jesus Christ in your soul and in your life and in your words and in your thoughts, that we will be so watchful that the old man of the flesh does not raise up when he is to be subdued, mortified, crucified. Christ calls us to be more to like him. But again, he calls us again to, to suffer afflictions because he sends those afflictions, that again we will be more like Jesus Christ, not just in not just in the sense of our own self-controlled behavior, but that we'll be more like him because we are humbled. Christ calls himself meek, and so, so few Christians are meek. We can be quiet, and the world thinks we're meek. But true meekness is within, and it's expressed on the outside. You could be passive-aggressive, and people think, well, it didn't seem to affect them in any way, but it is, it's inside. That's not Christ-likeness, and it is not... It is not the fruit of enduring affliction by any means. He calls us to watch and he sends us these afflictions to change us, literally to break us, because there is much that needs breaking. And Christ again calls us to testify of him as we're, as we're being watchful of our walk, as we're suffering these afflictions, as we're telling other people of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ, even though he sends us these afflictions, and the good news of Jesus Christ, to, to speak of him, and he gives us grace to fulfill that calling that we have, even in afflictions. Even in afflictions, to make full proof of thy serving. We see that Christ-likeness that's emphasized in these four exhortations. In fact, it's exhorted. Yeah, be watchful like Christ, endure afflictions like Christ, do the work of an evangelist like Christ, make full proof of thy ministry like Christ did. But do it not in your own power, but do it in the work, uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And therefore, the more that you know Christ suffering with you and Christ speaking uh, through you and his grace being perfected in you, the more Christ-like you will become. And that, brethren and sisters, is after salvation is the point of the Christian walk. It's the very point of the Christian walk to be prepared through these afflictions and all that we've read and understood to be prepared for heaven and to, and to be the salt and light in the earth now while the Lord is preparing us for heaven. And therefore, do not avoid these afflictions or applying these exhortations in your lives, else you will not shine with the light of Jesus Christ as Christ would have us do so. And let us then, by God's grace, persevere in those four core matters then. But watch thou in all things. Endure all things. Not just some things, not just in the church, not just in public, but watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. And may God grant us that grace that we need uh, to heed and answer these exhortations in our lives. To the glory of Christ. Amen. Let us pray, please. Our merciful God and Father, we do thank Thee for Thy Word. Lord, Thou knowest the situations of our heart and lives, and how often that we do not endure affliction, that we do not, we are not always watching in all things, and therefore, what a, what a gospel witness and a shining of the hope of Jesus Christ is diminished. And Lord, and our serving of Thee and each other may be avoided altogether. But Lord, may it please Thee to, to plant this word, to confirm this word, to cause this word to bring forth fruit in absolutely every life that has been under the preaching of it. Forgive us, Lord, where we have sinned against thee in these matters. But grant us grace. Help us in these afflictions. Help us to endure them and not run away from them. But help us to shine with Christian light even under them. that the flesh would be crucified and Christ glorified. Help us in this regard, we pray thee, and that thou may receive all the glory as is right. We pray thee in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take up uh, your songbook to hymn 502, hymn 502. Unto the hills around do I lift up my longing eyes. For whence for me shall my salvation come? From whence arise? Let us stand to sing uh, these uh, four verses of hymn 502, please.
benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen.